It's your first time here. You are very welcome. You are very welcome to, to be here. I hope you've uh, you feel at home. Shall, before we come uh, around the words, today's theme is going to be a voice in the darkness, and so we're going to be looking at Psalm 137 this morning. But before we begin, uh, let's come together and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you, God. And God, we just want to say, as always, Lord, Lord, we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Holy Spirit, would you speak to all of us where we're at, Lord? Lord, all of us are in different situations and circumstances. And God, we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you meet us in our circumstances? Would you meet us in this moment? Would your Spirit connect with our souls? Lord, Lord, we pray, Lord, may all of us have a real, genuine encounter with you this morning. So God, I pray, Lord, that the words that are going to be spoken this morning, Lord, I pray, Lord, may they be of you. Anything that's of me, God, God, we just pray, Lord, may it just be blown in the wind like chaff, may it just be forgotten, but God, we just pray, Lord, if there's even just one thing that resounds in the heart, that's from you, God, God, I pray, Lord, would it transform us, would it challenge us, would it it bring renewal, Lord, would it bring new perspective, Lord God, we pray, Lord, may we this morning get to know a little bit more about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to open up your Bibles to, or turn them on to Psalm 137, we're going to read this psalm together and go from there. If you haven't got a Bible this morning, don't worry. The words will be up on the screen. It's just sometimes good just to, re- to read it. Psalm 137 says this. I know what some of you will be thinking. Some of you will be starting to sing the Rivers of Babylon song in your head. That's okay. It'll be going around in my head as well. So it's all right. So let's just go from there, okay? So just don't get too carried, just don't get too carried away. Um, Psalm 137. By the waters of Babylon, where we sat down and wept. I like the singing. We've got some singing out here. I like the commitment to that. That's good. We like it. <laughs> That's good. And we reckon when we uh, when we remember Zion, on the on the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirthed, mur- saying, "Sing us one of the songs of Zion." How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy, remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare. Down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. This is not a, a happy this is not a Rivers of Babylon number one, almost like top charts song. This psalmist is writing this psalm out of heartache, out of pain, out of anguish. 
there's real human emotions coming through. We know that the relationship Israel has with God goes up and down. We know that throughout all this time, even though their relationship goes back and forth, God is steadfast. He is unchanging. He is unmoving. He is saying, I'm constantly going to be with you. I'm constantly going there. But would you, just follow, would you just follow me? Would you just be with me? And time and time again, Israel as a nation, um, they, go, they get close to God and they encounter, they receive blessing. And then, they, then another king comes in or something else happens and they move away and they go back to idol worship. Idol worship. And then another, another a prophet will come, another king will come and lead them back. And all the idol, idols will be torn down and God will be restored back in, its right, in his rightful place. And worship will be resumed. And time and time again, blessings will come. And, but then... That king will perhaps pass away or a time of season will go and they'll go back to the idols and so you have this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And part of me just kind of in that moment kind of sits there thinking, I wonder what that is like for God. I don't know if some of you have ever been in that situation where you've had friends, you've had, fa- you've had family and when they've, they're, they're in trouble and they said, you know, we just need a little bit of help here. And you get that two, three o'clock phone call in the morning and you, and you, you answer it and you might go around the house, you might go around the next day, you might try and solve the situation. You put your time in, you put your energy, you might put your resources in, you try and help out to get that person, get that family back on their feet, back on the right track, back in the way to go to help them to be restored. But then as time goes on, it's almost as if they forget everything that you've done for them. They almost forget the whole relationship that you have, that you're close and that they got you out of that situation. And they turn them back and they turn their back, backs and walk away and they act as if the whole thing just never happens. That, has anyone had that happen to you? It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. I mean, it's, it hurts when a stranger does it. hurts when a stranger does, does it who you get, you get to know for a little bit. When, if it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's a loved one, someone that you know... Perhaps it's a friend and you've been through high, through all the school, you know, junior school, infant school, high school, and all of a sudden something happens and they just walk away. It's devastating. It hurts. But I wonder for God, in this moment, He does it with a whole nation. A whole nation. But yet, He's still steadfast. He is still there. He is constant. And he still calls them back. He still allows himself to be open. He still allows himself to be vulnerable. He still allows himself to be, to be hurt. And he knows what their heart's like. He knows what's going to happen. But he says, I still come back, still come back. I still love you. I still love you. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. And he allows that. But it's hard, but it's devastating when that happens. Now, let's not just get, get me wrong. Get me wrong. This, this psalm and what happens to Israel in this moment, what the psalmist is writing this time, is absolutely horrendous. What happens to them? It's one of the most horrendous times in the nation of Israel uh, history, and, and Judah is looking after Jerusalem at a time when the Babylonians come and invade, and they take them all out. And it is absolutely horrendous. But we also need to remember is that although it was horrendous, it was the consequences of what they did. 
And I don't mean that, I'm not saying that lightly, I'm not saying that, oh, that's a, that's a scape, scapegoat. But there's, every notice that there's, there's consequences when we go down a different route and so we're following, perhaps we might be following God and, or we go down and say, I'm just going to go down this route because that's what I want to do. And, it, and it might, you know it's not the, the, perhaps the right route where you're supposed to go, but you're just going to do it anyway because we've all done that and it seems good at the time, but then it leads you into a place of going, okay, how did I get to where I am now? And it might have just start. Sometimes it just starts with one thought. Do you ever have that? Say so you're doing something, go down a day, then someone goes, "Oh, that might be good," and then you stop what you're doing and you go on a total sidetrack, and then that's your day wasted. And what you originally wanted to set out doing ends up doesn't get done because you end up being sidetracked, and you're just like, "Okay, well that's a day wasted. I shouldn't really have done that," and it all falls apart. Take that on to like a nation, a nation, nation scale. It's like, how did we get here? But they chose that route. They chose that route. They, and time and time again, even with Israel, had so many fantastic kings. King David was so influential uh, in building up the city, uh, in put, putting power, expanding the, expanding the land, bring worship back, trying to bring, in, as much as he was a flawed man, trying to bring integrity back, trying to bring worship back. And then his son, Solomon, who builds the temple, the temple, can you imagine the temple at that, at that time? How big, how vast, and even though we know that God doesn't live in temples, imagine King Solomon building a temple for worship for God. Can you imagine the sacrifices? Can you imagine the sounds of the celebrations being played? Can you imagine the pilgrimage as they come from all over Israel making their way, the business of the streets? Can you imagine that? The smell of the bread in the morning. The banging of blacksmiths and carpenters making stuff, chiseling, chiseling away. The business of the animals running down, running down the street. The sound of people chatting and, talk, and talking, making business deals. The hustle and bustle of life in that in that time. The heat, sheltering from the shade. It's Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. Who would have thought Jerusalem would be destroyed? Who would have thought that God would let King Solomon's temple be destroyed? Who would have thought that God would let the city of David, the holy city, the greatest city on the face of the planet in their eyes, who would have thought that God would let that be destroyed? Not a stone unturned. I mean, it's, it's hard to even contemplate when you go, go back even, uh, beforehand and you think the Ark of the Covenant, when that goes into battle and the Ark of the Covenant gets taken away by the Philistines, and even that's hard to imagine that God would, would allow that, but he did. It gets, ta- it gets taken away and... And if you remember how the story goes, Eli, a big, big guy character, he's sitting on his chair when the news gets brought to him. He is in so much uh, anguish. He's in so much kind of distraught about it. He falls backwards on his chair, and because of the weight of him, he breaks his neck and dies. Because he couldn't believe that the earth, God would allow his ark to be taken away. But yet, no longer has the ark been taken away. Now it's God's chosen people. 
his chosen people. And Hezekiah, after that, it builds up the city. We know from Hezekiah, Hezekiah is one of the most influential kings and rulers in the Old Testament, how he brings back God, he takes down the the idols, he brings back worship, he restores a thankfulness back to God. And because he brings worship and the thankfulness back to God, and he brings in all the infrastructure, the city and Israel is then uh, gets wealth in abundance and becomes, every, all the countries surrounding it just look in awe, thinking, how is this possible? And, he, and so the Babylonians, they send envoys over to, uh, to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah even though God has blessed him, even though he doesn't use his wisdom and he shows them everything. And Isaiah goes, goes over and if you read the story, he says, that'll cost you. That'll cost you. Because you've shown them everything, they now go come back and take it all. You shouldn't have showed them everything. And out of that, and out of that moment, you know, we know he becomes ill. We know that... Uh, he, he, perhaps he doesn't have a son in that time, but he, but he prays for that extended period of life. And in that extended period of life, he has a son, Hezekiah does. And when Hezekiah dies, the son takes over and undoes everything that his dad had taught him. Even though from a young boy, he knew everything that his daughter taught him. He knew, he knew the way of God, but he says, I'm not going to go down. And he destroyed everything that was being bought. But that's one of the consequences that from the decisions that people have been made. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations and circumstances it's because, actually, although God is faithful to us, sometimes he allows, when we go down on a certain road, he allows the consequences of our actions to affect us, but it doesn't mean he's not withdrawn from us. It doesn't mean he hasn't gone off for a walk and said, I'm just going to leave you. He's in the presence, he's in, he's in the midst of where you are, and not going through those circumstances, but he's allowing some of those circumstances to affect and to challenge, because sometimes we just need to wake up and realize, actually, what we had was all right. And we have the psalmist here. How could this city be taken? How could this city be taken? Because Jerusalem is not just a, a city. It's a way of life. It's a whole culture in itself. It's heritage. Not just military power, but not just political power. It's God's presence. It's his city. It's where the temple was. The Israel nation, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, is almost like their identity. The temple is like their identity. Though you've got God, everything revolves around Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem. It is their identity. And so when the Babylonians come and take, take, take away, destroy, where's the hope? What identity do I have? My city's been taken. The place where I go to worship and do sacrifice is gone. I'm in a distant country. It smells different. No longer am I in a city where the hills and valleys are around, but I'm now on a flat land where there's rivers, but it's more canals to irrigate the land. It smells different. The food tastes different. 
The people are different. It's weird. It's strange. I'm not supposed to be here. Have you ever felt that? I know I have. I know I have. I know working for the, for the council and at that time I'm thinking, um, I left, I left, I walked out on my last day of school um, because I thought I can't get, they can't expel me. So I just walked out. I thought I'm not going back for A-levels. So literally after the, the, they said, school assembly, we got to do that and then we go have some stuff in the afternoon. I was like, forget it, I'm out. So I walked out. And in that time, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, as I'm walking out, I'm thinking, this is fantastic. I'm thinking, I've got freedom, no more homework, no more stuff, no more being picked on by the teachers because I can't read and do stuff. I'm thinking, this is fantastic, this is fantastic. And I've got about a 15-minute walk home, and it gets to about, about halfway, just over halfway, and I'm going under, I have to take a, a subway to get underneath the road. I remember walking down the stairs, and it hits me, what on earth am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? Because I know that's going to be the first question my dad's going to ask me when I get home. And I had no clue. No clue. And sure enough, around the, t- the tea table, my mum's there, dad's there, sister's there. And my sister's got a face, you know, uh, a smile on her face from ear to ear. She's just like, guess I know what's coming, I know what's coming. And sure, enough, and sure enough, the question is, my dad's like, congratulations, you, you've, you've gone that far. What now? What are you going to do? You need to do something. You can't just stay at home. You're not going to live with us. You need to, you need to start on thinking, I have no idea. I remember from that time almost to, uh, to going into college, not knowing what I'm really wanting to do. I'm just doing it because actually it's something that I quite like, but it's not really a calling. It's not really a purpose. And... So I do kind of horticulture, I do kind of sport, uh, sports, co- sports coaching. I do lots of different things, I'm working, and I end up going to work for the council for five, six years. And all that for that time, it's a battle, it's a minefield, it's like spiritual warfare going in. And I'm thinking, I'm not really supposed to be here. Why am I supposed to, why am I being here? Is it because I'm this lack of intelligence? Is it because I'm this stupid? Is this because I'm worthless? I'm having to go into this situation where there's abuse, where there's abuse going on, there's bullying going on, there's pornography, right? There's, there's stealing. There's st- they're stealing one of the worst workplaces to be in. That way, that's what it was. And I'm thinking, God, I'm in this place. I don't want to be in this place. Why am I here? Why am I here? Is this what I'm just my life is set out for? Just the constant grind that I have to play worship in the car, going there, worshiping in the car, coming back. And sometimes if I'm doing grass cutting, putting headphones underneath the, the earphones because I just need to have that worship on because it's a constant, constant spiritual battle and warfare that if I don't do it, the mood and the attitude just goes down because of the almost like the thick oppression that's there. Am I, is that, is this, is this my life? I wonder, have you felt like that? I know I have. And looking back in hindsight now, it was a spiritual warfare battle. It was a place where I felt like I was in a desert. I felt like um, it was a constant battle to try and get integrity, constant try and battle to feel recognition. But at that same time there, on the other side, because of the working hours, it enabled me to go and help out with the youth group and help out with the church. In hindsight, until looking a little bit way through it, I was realizing, actually, I'm here because... 
I've got this time and the time that I do have, I can put into the young people, I can put into the church and do that. So you have the vice versa. So although I hate this job, although I hate this position, the time that I have after this, this enables me to function, to able to help other people. But I didn't see that at the time. It was only, it was only uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, it's only until a little bit way through that I was like, okay, I'm praying. It's like, God, God says, I know, you hate, I know you hate it in this time, but actually, it's only for a set period of time. I'm not going to tell you how long you have to be here for, but it's a set period of time, but you are going to be moved on. And so some, some days, I'll be, my, my mood will be so low, as, um, and perhaps we wouldn't have to work. Perhaps we just got a, an absolute kind of telling off from the boss because we didn't do it the way he wanted to, even though the way he wanted to would make absolutely no sense. And so, for example, I don't know if I should go. Uh, so, for example, we'll be having arguments about silly things, even about times of watering. We all know when you water plants, you do it first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Because otherwise, you get pests and diseases, don't you, on the plants? Bear in mind, we have, we have to grow over a quarter of a million plants for all the parks, all the roundabouts, in all of Chelmsford and the surrounding area and for the high streets. That was my role, that was my responsibility. I come back off of holiday and I see one of the foremen at 12, because I'm called to do uh, water plants out on one of the high streets because someone can do it. I come back, it's midday, and someone's got a hose pipe in scorching 25 degree heat in the middle of a greenhouse. And sure enough, they got mold, they diseased, and, we, and we, lo- we lost a whole greenhouse worth of plants because someone decided they're a little bit. They need. They need. They're a little bit dry, even though they've been watered in the morning. They're a little bit dry, so they went round with the hose. And, he's, and so even arguments about this is this. This is simple gardening. I didn't need to go to college to know that. But yet we had these. But it felt like a constant battle, battle, battle to try and do things right. To say, and, and try not to skip corners. To try. And, and there's just so many we're not going to go into, not going to go into, but there's so much stuff in it. It's just like, that's not right. You, can, you don't do it that way. You don't cut corners. You can't do that because that's going to affect the point. You don't plant nicotina plants that are which you make nicotine from as a, as a bedding plant in one of the parks. So when the kids come and they can potentially touch it, it affects them. But because the plant was cheap and it looked nice, it had good flower on it. You see what I mean? And that's why, as well, and so it's a constant. This is this is just this is just sim, sim, simple. But yet there's constant. It's like God, am I really having to deal with this? I'm really having to go through. And there's some other stuff. But it's just like there's got to be more than this. Am, am who I am? Am I just a gardener? Am I just someone who just waters these plants and gets taken off because I'm not watering watering them at midday because I don't know what I'm doing? The, the psalmist gets taken away by the Babylonians. He's seen brutal sights. I mean, the Babylonians, when they came in, it was brutal. They did far more than what God actually intended them to do. But they were egged on by the um, Edom, Edomites, 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 how you pronounce it. And they were saying, go on, just lay it bare, just, just do it, just lay it bare. The children were killed and raped. 
the women, same with the women, the, the men were killed and some of them who resisted, castrated, put in chains. And the nation put in chains and, mar- and marched and walked out. It was horrendous. We can't fully grasp, we can't fully grip to see actually the horrendousness. And this heart, and this, he had this heartache, and the psalm's going, How can I sing in this foreign land that smells different, that tastes different? How can I sing the Lord's song when this has happened? How can I sing? How can I worship? God, have you not seen what's happened? And not only that, my captors are now mocking me, saying, sing us one of your songs. Go on, let's hear one of your Christian songs. Let's hear one of your God's songs. Go on, sing for us in a mocking way. Come on, you believe believe in God. Come on, sing one of your worship songs as an entertainment for us because we want to hear. And they mock and they joke. And so you feel like you're in a distant land. And your God is being mocked. Your faith is being mocked. You're being mocked. And the psalm says, how can I sing? And the mocking gets so bad, the the psalmist turns around and says, do you want a song? I'll give you a song. And then we get the the end bit. Blessed is the day who takes the little ones and smashes you, your little ones, on the rocks, just like he did to us. Because although what I'm singing a song over you, that's what you did to our children. So what you've done to us, I pray God plays it in abundance back to you. And the psalmist is hard, it's a hard psalm, but you can understand someone who's seen the horrific, who's seen the harshness of life, who's experienced it. Perhaps their families passed, they've seen loved ones pass, they've seen killed and the tortures. And out of the hurt, out of the mocking, out of the anguish, they turn around and say, perhaps I'm going to pray over you, what you prayed over us. And so from that understanding, you can see the heartache, you can see the pain, you can see where it comes from. And some of us, going through, going through life, um, I know working on accounts, I'm thinking, God, I must, be worth, I must be worth more than this. Is this all I'm going to do? And sometimes, not only do you find yourself in a strange land, not only do you find your place in a place where you're not supposed to be, the enemy comes and starts mocking. I thought you're a Christian. I thought you believed. I thought God blesses you in abundance. Where's your, where's your God now? How can you be taken? How can you be taken away? How can, how can you be working in a dead end job? Where is your God? Come, sing. Sing. Where is your God? I thought he's looking after you. Where's your God? Your family's falling apart. Where's your God now? You're in debt. I thought God was supposed to look after your debt. Where's your God now? But what I've come to learn is my identity is not in a city. Our identity is not in a job. 
There has to be something central in all of our lives that dictates who we are, and it's not a city. Our center of our lives, we know, is Jesus. And he is always steadfast. He is always in control. He is always reliable, always faithful, always sincere. He is always mighty. He is always strong. He always provides. He is always caring. He is always gracious. He is always just. And even though the psalmist, and one of the things I take courage from the psalmist, is that the psalmist here speaks out this last few verses because it's on their heart. Some people don't speak out to God what's on their heart, and they let it fester inside and build up, and, and then more people insult them. Our oh, things come their way, and the enemy builds onto that, and so it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, until one point someone says something really, really small, and they explode. Because you haven't vocalized, you've lost your voice. Even to God, you've lost your voice. Don't speak it out. So even though the psalmist is thinking God blesses the person who, who dashes the little ones, they're letting, that, they're letting their anger, they're letting their business, they're letting out their disappointment out to God. And that is a healthy thing as long as it stays in that, in that situation because God says vengeance is his. And in doing, in doing so, we release, we let go and say, God, this is how I'm feeling. You know how I'm feeling. I'm releasing this to you in the, in the confines of my, of my prayer time. I'm not going to say this out loud to our people, but this is how I'm feeling right now. In doing so, you're letting it out. You're not letting the bitterness build up in your lives. You're not letting the discouragement come up. You're listening out. You're reading and you're allowing God to say, I hear you. Let me bring some healing. I hear you. Let me bring some peace. I know it's not right. I know what's happened to you isn't great. But I'm still here. I will have my justice. Before moving here, share a little bit of my story, some some of the things that I was uh, asked to move on. I hadn't done anything wrong. And part of me goes, God, this isn't right. And when I'm being told, and God says, hold your peace. Don't fight. And everything inside me goes, but this is not right. My integrity is being questioned. My character is being questioned. Everything about me is being put into question, and I'm not allowed to fight it. He said, no. Keep quiet. And so my only, source of, my only source of outlet was God because I didn't want to dump stuff on my, on my family because I didn't want to dump stuff on friends because actually cause in sometimes those situations, you don't know who you can trust. Because even some of the people you think you can trust, you tell them stuff and it gets spread out. Sometimes there's only one person you can trust and that's God. But in doing so, when you're praying, saying, God, this is how I feel. I'm going to release how I'm feeling to you. And in order to doing that, I'm going to say, God, even though I want justice, and even though I won't get justice on this earth, I know, God, you'll get justice, whether in this earth or the time to come. So vengeance is yours. I'm going to stop and walk away. And that was one of the hardest things, because people were saying, James, this is not, this is not right. Let us fight for you. Let us do this. And he's just saying, No. And, and you should see, look on your face and say, James, but you're being... It's like, leave it. 
And what's been made worse is the other, you're okay, you're, you're dealing with it, and now it's tough, and it's hurt, and it's heartache, and it's raw, and it's there, and thinking, I'm struggling enough by just, just trying to hold my peace and not rip people's heads off. Because sometimes we feel like we just want to rip someone's heads off. I'm speaking to all the non-super Christians here. It's in the Greek somewhere, I'll find it. Um, but, it's, but it's just like holding your peace, and then you have to deal with everyone else trying to have their their justice and what they look like and just say, you know, I have to step away. I have to step away. But I'm thankful because it led me here. I'm thankful because it led me here. I'm thankful that I kept my peace because I found a beautiful wife. The first day I walk in, the first day I walk in, God says, that's the one. But even in that, when we have married and, and with Poppy, it's the, it's, it's the day. She's on her way. It hits, it hits midnight in the delivery room. And I'm happy. Joy's happy. She's on the gas. And, and uh, I'm happy because I've tried the gas because the midwife walked out and went, do you want to have a go? So I thought, why not? Good stuff. Not recommend it though. Um, How did you get back from that? Okay, um, but we're there. It hits midnight, and we're we're, get, we're, we're, we're we're fine. We're chatting to the midwife, and I've told this story before. But come midnight, bang on! I hear a voice, and it wasn't God because I've heard God's voice before, and He said, "I'm coming for them. And I'm taking them both." And that moment. The warmth in the room just went. There's a, there a screech and a cry down the corridor that sounded like someone was dying. The only, like a proper screech. We couldn't use our phones. My phone was almost dead. Couldn't use it. No one to contact. No one to, to do it. The midwife, whose attitude was really nice and friendly, was a bit stand was a bit standoffish and kept walking out the room. And I kept looking at the uh, poppies. Uh, Heartbeat and monitoring and seeing it going down and back up and going back down and back up and looking at joy. And I'm thinking, God, we're in a spiritual warfare here. Uncharted lands. We weren't supposed to be here. We're supposed to be fine. It was everything was supposed to be fine. It was supposed to be happy. It's a joyous occasion. What do you do? At the end of the eight hour, out the eight, after you know, eight, nine hours after the spiritual warfare and just being wrecked and just trying to keep the peace, absolutely exhausted, Poppy came. Poppy's there and it's like, fantastic, but it's eight hours unfamiliar territory. Cold eyes. I knew God was there. I knew they were going to be safe. He told me they'll be safe. But in the darkness, when no one else is around, and all you have is you, God, I know I can trust you in this moment because you helped me get out of the previous jobs. You've helped me get out of previous situations. And our memories, when we look back at for the, for the, for the psalmist, they look at back Jerusalem and say, 
the memories, the fond memories of the worship, the festivals, the day of atonements that were there, the fond memories. We look back and we say, God, I know I can trust you. I know you're not distant. I know you're not gone off or wander somewhere. I know you're not distant. I know I'm still loved because you have done things in the past and know you're with me now. And I can do, even though I don't feel it, even though I can't see it, even though I can't see you, even though I can't hear you in this moment, I know you're here because I've seen you do it in the past. And sometimes all we have in those me- all we have is those memories of what's the past, but our memories are not on a town or city. Our hopes and, and trust is in Jesus Christ. Identity comes from Jesus Christ. So we can be in debt. We can be our finances have gone to pot, but we, God still says, "I still empower you with my Holy Spirit." Your family can be falling apart, and you feel like, God, I just feel like a, you know, a waste of space. He goes, I still have plans for you. You can feel like a waste of space, like you're, you're looking at porn all the time, or you've got gambling, or you're you messed up in your drugs, and you think, I'm just doing this, and God says, I still love you. You're doing that, but I still call you my son. I still call you my daughter. Why? Because he's steadfast. And sometimes we hold back our voice because we look at the surroundings in our lives, and because perhaps we're not in the mood for it. Perhaps we're um, it's not the t- not time. It's not a blessing season. We're going through a wilderness period. So I don't just don't feel like singing, and that's one of the whole points. The enemy will get you to shut your mouth because if you can shut your mouth, then you start believing. You stop believing truth, and you start believing lies, and the lies become a truth. You start believing, perhaps this is all I'm good for. There is no hope. I'm just going to be in this situation. There's going to be no change. There's going to be no... I can't see how I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this foreign land. I don't know how I'm going to get out of these circumstances because the enemy has come blinded. You've lost your voice and you can't see a way out because you're trying to find your way out and you can't find your way out. God will guide you out. If we turn to Jeremiah 29, and we know this off by heart, it's, it's, used, it's used a lot, and we go, we're going to read it, and we go, we go start off from verse 7, skip and get them, uh, a couple of verses and, get, and come on. And it's from verse 7, Jeremiah 29. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And praise the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. You will find your welfare. That's what me. When I read that, when I read that, back when I was younger, that's when I had the light bulb moment of saying, okay, God, now I understand why I'm here. It's not just about my work. It's about blessing the city. It's about blessing the workplace. And so even though you feel like you're in exile, I'm going to still keep my integrity. I'm going to still keep my character. I'm going to still offer praise and worship because God is still God and he's not affected by my situation. He's not affected by the land that I'm in because he is, he is God. And so sometimes we don't worship, we don't do things because we think that the land or the situation controls it, but God is not affected and he's not hindered or bothered by where you are. He says, wherever you may find yourself, bless the place where you are, and in the blessing where they are, they will receive blessing, and you'll be blessing, and God's kingdom moves and blesses it. And it goes on from verse 10. It says, 
For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promises and bring you back into the place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. But there's coming into that place of actually some of the things that we have done have caused us to be in the situations that we are now. And some of it say, okay, I know God has plans for me. But actually, the first part, some of us might need to come back and say, God, I repent of what I've done. I take ownership. I'm going to stop getting bitter. I'm going to stop being angry and trying to blame everyone else. I'm responsible for my decisions. I chose to do that. That's why I'm here. You've allowed that. I accept that. But God, I pray, Lord, would you forgive me? Would you help change my situation? Because I know, God, you can. We don't have to wait 70 years. It might be a week. We don't know. It might be, I had to wait five years. I'm thankful it's not 70 years. But there's there's that ownership of, I am responsible for this. But what happens when you're not responsible? What happens if you're dragged, a a company goes down? You're not not responsible for the direction. You're there and you're made redundant. What happens if you find yourself in a... Like the pandemic pandemic brought so many things people's ways. You find yourself in uncharted dark lands, foreign lands, a strange time. What do you do? Is this just you? It goes back to again... Just because things are happening to you, just because life happens to you, doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you. It doesn't mean that God is distant. God is present. It's that going back to, but God is faithful to you and he'll guide you out of it. Will you stand? Will you detect the lies that come your way and say, I am not going to believe those lies. I'm not going to let my voice be quiet, but I'm going to speak I'm going to sing worship. I'm going to be grateful because even if I might not have a song for this present time, it might be that I remember my, uh, my grandma doing the dishes and sometimes she'll just burst into song. Her, some of the old brethren songs start coming to my mind. I'm not going to sing because that's not a blessing. Sometimes when I feel like when I sing God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are doing what paper scissors to see who listens to me. But because um, some people are blessed with singing. I'm not one, I'm not one of them, I don't think... Um, Ask them why I feel too. But, so, but it's, it's, that, it's that even though I might not have a song for this current moment, I know God is real and I know what he's done, so I'm going to be thankful for what he's done in the past. And if, I, if, I just, if that's all I've got, be thankful for what he's done in the past in order that I can, I can lift my song, I can stop believing those lies and look forward, God will bring a light up into your feet. Because even though the Bible, the Bible says... The, the word is like a lamp unto your feet. You still have to get up and walk. And though the enemy lays traps and snares for you, the word and his truth will allow you to guide through those lies if you detect it, if you listen to it. But you still have to. You don't just pick up the word and see it at home. 
It's no good for a lamp to sit at home. It's a lamp and two feet when you're on the journey of life through the dark lands, through the situations where you find you're in unfamiliar territory, strange territory, a distant land, you don't know where you are. You stick to what God's told you, and he will guide you, and he will reveal the snares, he will reveal the attacks of the enemy. Say, don't go down this way. Don't go do that. Don't trust that. Don't give that person information. Do this, and if you do that, he will guide you, and he will lead you. I can be in Babylon, but I'm not a Babylonian. I can, be in the, I can go and work for the council, but I'm not a council worker. And the same for you. Who do you say you are? You're not defined by your role. You're not defined by your job, your circumstances, the skill set you have. You're defined because God says you are chosen. And just as much as the, the Israel nation, the Jewish people were chosen, allowed them to go into captivity and said, you are my chosen people. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But one of the benefits that we have over the Israel nation is that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And wherever we go, the Holy Spirit is there encouraging, giving you strength, helping you to face the day, helping you to face the endless medication because of, the, of your health's not great. He'll help you in your marriages. He'll help you with your friendships. He'll help you in all the situations because that's what he, he promises to do and he's more faithful to you and to me than we are faithful to him. And we might find ourselves for the millionth time, doing something that we shouldn't be doing because we quite like it, because it makes us feel good. And even though it makes us feel good, we know in about 10 minutes' time we're going to feel guilty. And even though those moments, God is saying, I still love you, and he's still chosen, and he's still mine. Even though the enemy will come along and say, you're a waste of space, you're a bum, you're loose, are you really doing that? He doesn't love you. And we should take the repentance seriously and not dilute that and just, I'm just going to say praise and go forgive, but actually say, God, I really want to change because there has to be a change of heart. And God says in this passage, if you change your heart, if you change your ways, if you repent, if you come back, back, I'll show you the way. But you've got to want to come back. There's no point saying, I want to come back, and, but I'm really going to keep doing what I'm going to be doing. There's that, I'm going to turn from what I'm doing, doing. I'm going to turn, I'm going to make the decision it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. I know I haven't got the energy for it. I know I haven't got the strength for it. But God, I know you have. And it might be a week. It might be two weeks. It might be something that you struggle with all your life, just as King David did. Because King David, he's old. And he's getting a bit cold. So I stick a young virgin in his bed. And when he doesn't do anything, they say, our king's dead because he's got that reputation. He struggles with something all his life, but yet God still names Jesus after him. We won't get that luxury, but we won't, Jesus won't be named after us, only one person, but it's that same thing. God will still use and work through. That's to do with the heart. It's to do with the heart. Our identity, our strength, comes from God. Sometimes we have to 
appreciate and be thankful and learn to have a sense of gratitude for the moments that we live in the moment because sometimes we lose that sense of gratitude and being thankful and we have a sense of entitlement. I deserve this. But with Hezekiah, when you're humble, and with Moses, and when you're humble, God, and with David, when you, when you humble yourself, God blesses not just you, but he blesses the people around you for the, for the sake of. In David and Hezekiah, it's only about those two people, God says, I will, because of your heart, I will bless you for the sake of the people around you. What an honor is that? I will bless you for the sake of. In your workplace, he'll bless you, you for the sake of, the, of your workmates around you, your work colleagues. In the school, he'll bless you to help teach. In the uni, he'll bless you in order to help encourage the other people around you. It comes from it comes from trusting. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. Only God does, but I'm going to choose. I'm going to make a conscious decision not to go and sit under a willow tree and weep, even though I want to, even though I have a right to. Even though it is understandable if I do. I'm going to make a choice to find my voice again. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate if I sing or if I worship or if I study. I'm not going to let my mood do it. I'm going to sing. I'm going to lift up my voice because he is steadfast. He is faithful. He is in control. And he'll never leave me. He'll never seek me. And even in my best of days, it's all him. Because he deserves all the glory and all the praise. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to find my voice. And even if I can't sing in church because I'm still on that journey, but I can sing in the car, I can do a little bit of mumbling when I'm doing the washing up or if I'm doing a bit of DIY or or playing the instrument or whatever I do, even if it starts off with a little bit of mumbling, I'm going to start to try and get my voice back. Start the journey of getting your voice back. Stop believing the lies. Stop believing where you're at is the final destination. It's not. You're not washed out. He hasn't left you. You're not deserted. He is with you. He is for you. And if you seek him, he says, you'll find me. You'll find him. You don't want to find me, you want to find him.